Welcome to the People and Performance Podcast, featuring guest experts from such global brands as NASA, Salesforce, the Milwaukee Bucks, Staples Professional, IBM, Mutual of America, Zero, and Simon Sinek Inc. The show offers expert insights into the strategic capabilities and behaviors needed to grow and sustain employee performance. Thanks for checking out this episode of the People and Performance Podcast. Hey, this is Bill Bannum, show co-host and editor over at the HR Gazette. In the labor market, unlike any other in our working lifetimes, employers have scrambled to find enough qualified workers for their jobs. Is this a temporary issue or is a larger problem looming? To help us answer these questions, we are joined on the People Performance Podcast today by Ben Eubanks, HR analyst, author, fellow podcaster, and chief research officer over at Lighthouse Research and Advisory. As a human capital management industry expert, Ben helps companies and vendors with strategy, content, and more. He has been a speaker for over a decade at events such as the Sherm Annual Conference, ATD, and the HR Technology Conference. Previously, Ben worked as an in-the-trenches leader in the HR field within smaller organizations, government contracting firms, and the non-profit sector. Chris and I hope that you enjoy this conversation that we had with Ben. And if you do, please remember to like, comment, and subscribe. Ben, it's our pleasure to welcome you to the People and Performance podcast today. Chris and and I are delighted that you're able to join us. So glad to be here. Looking forward to a fun conversation. Us too, us too. Okay, here I come with the first question before Chris jumps in. Uh, And it's a quote from a recent post that you shared on LinkedIn. It goes as following, as follows, everything in the employment news is touching on the Fed. Interest rates, the big picture unemployment, but the research shows there are a number of very personal reasons that we are seeing people leave the workplace over the last year or two, from people pursuing self-employment and gig opportunities to those who are dealing with substance abuse and even long-haul COVID symptoms. We have to go a layer deeper to see what's really happening, why they are leaving, and if it's even possible to bring them back to the workplace. Ben, can you tell us a bit more about these very personal reasons and how they're change how the changing work choices are impacting access to talent? Absolutely. So a couple of things that I see when I look out there, and again, the reason I wrote that is because I kept getting a little frustrated that it's people look at this very academically, or like it's just we change this this thing and everything else falls apart. And what we've seen over and over in our studies over the last two or three years is that there's some very personal choices that are affecting people's decision to leave a job, to stay in a job. And when it comes to this kind of exodus from the workforce in the last couple of years, part of that was, hey, I'm worried about my health. I'm at retirement age, I'm high risk, so I'm just going to step away and I'm, I'm done. I was going to work a couple more years, but I'm just out of it now. Um, so it's a very personal kind of choice. We're seeing a lot of a lot of issues, a lot of challenges with substance abuse, um, addiction, things like that, which have always been an issue. But the numbers in the last two years have spiked beyond what they would have expected. The trend lines are off the charts. And so people are really facing some challenges there. And every single one of those people is a person who could who could be filling a job. And I that sounds kind of silly to say it's this is about work, but that's part of it, right? Them supporting themselves, supporting their families, that's taking them out of the workforce and 
employers are losing losing a chance to, to have that person in that place. One of the big ones, though, is around people taking opportunities for gig employment, for self-employment, looking at pursuing their own path. In 2020, a lot of people kind of were, were either intentionally or unintentionally tossed out by their employer. They felt like they were just out in the cold. And the way that many people responded to that was, I want to take control of my destiny. And so they started looking at ways to do that, whether it was, I'm going to start my own thing. I've always wanted to, now's the time, or I'm going to just do some gig work on the side and do enough to supply my family's needs or supply my needs, but I don't have to go and work 40, 60 hours a week to make that happen. And so those kinds of choices, while they may seem like small segments of things, like the the gig one, for example, in our research, we found that 7% of frontline workers said they were quitting their jobs to pursue gig work. 7% doesn't seem like very much, but if I lined up every one of the frontline workers in these companies and employ them and suck 7% of those people out immediately, you start to see why we've had pressures on wages, pressures on employers trying to find people in the last year, especially. The People and Performance Podcast, supported by Fidelo Inc., is dedicated to offering tips and expert insights into the strategic capabilities and behaviors needed to establish, grow, and measure the performance of employees. If you enjoy the show, why not subscribe and give us five stars through your favorite podcast app? Great stuff. I love hearing that things. I'd love to see more about it and hear more about it. But in, in light of that, you have a new book coming out, Talent Scarcity, How to Hire and Retain a Shrink in a... Sh- sorry. Talent scarcity, how to hire and retain a shrinking workforce. Mm-hmm. We're going to get into some specific findings uh, in a moment or two here. But let me just ask you, really, at a high level, why did you decide to write this book? And what people and performance-related problems are you trying to address through through this book? The reason I wrote this book is because the question I've gotten more than any other in the last two years is, where are all the people? employers are, are really trying to find them. All of us know the headlines where there are more job openings and there are people available to fill them. And even though things have started getting tighter from an economic perspective, the government is trying to intentionally reduce <laughs> reduce uh, workers and put people on unemployment to reduce some of the inflation problems. In spite of their attempts to do that, employers are still adding jobs faster than anyone would have expected. And that pace, that mismatch is what's caused this problem. And the reason that I ended up writing the book. So I wanted to understand, is this a problem we can solve now? Is this a very long-term problem? And in some cases, some of those problems are very long-term and can't be solved easily with any of the levers that most businesses have at their fingertips. So this book is all about sharing some insights on that, but then going into some practical, practical ideas around how to hire people, how to retain them, how to keep your people connected to the business. They don't want to leave because when there are fewer people to go around, every single decision we make from a hiring or retention perspective is going to be more important than it was in the past. Yeah. And it seems like it's, it's probably changed too. I mean, it's not your old world. I mean, it's strange what a pandemic does to you and a realignment of values and beliefs. So this is going to be fun to read. So yes. I'm excited. Awesome. Okay, Ben, let's now delve into some of the findings and lessons in your new book. Uh, So in chapter four, uh, chapter four considers how the entrepreneurial spirit is drawing people on a part-time and full-time basis from traditional employment, just as you mentioned a moment ago, and into a passion area, maybe like podcasting, who knows, uh, including data on new business growth and insights from our research, on, on your research from worker priorities. It also wraps up how employers can tap into this entrepreneurial spirit to attract and retain workers very very important lessons tell us more 
so the the big piece I already tapped into a little bit a little bit ago around how there's the shift towards self-employment, towards gig work, things like that. The number of new business starts in the last two years has been off the charts. It is completely no one would have ever predicted the number of people that have started their own their own companies in the last few years. And one of the challenges that we actually have here from a just a, a pure data perspective is the government doesn't know how to account for that kind of data in correlation or in conjunction with all this data on employment. So they say, well, there's this huge mismatch of people. There's not enough people. People are leaving the workforce, but some of those people are actually starting their own businesses. And once they do that, the government loses track of them. They can't say where they went. And so that's kind of a fun thing for me as a data person to say, how do we solve that problem? From a more practical perspective though, employers that want to understand this, people are looking for a way to pursue a passion or to feel like their work has real purpose. And to, to touch on that one, from a hiring perspective, employers can be talking about the real purpose behind the work. Not just, we need you to, do, to have these skills and do this job, because every employer is saying that. How can you convey that message differently? So one of my good friends is the VP of talent acquisition for a global logistics company. And she said, we don't just ship food around. We make sure that food is, is able to get to places safely so that it can feed communities, so it can reach people when they need it most. And so she starts telling that story and you start to get kind of excited about it. Even though I'm not remotely interested in working in that space, I start to get excited because she tells this big picture story of the impact that they're having. That sort of thing is what's going to draw the people in who have that entrepreneurial spirit, who are looking for work that really has meaning when employers are trying to, trying to appeal to candidates, trying to bring them in. That's one way they can do that in a very practical and actual sort of way that appeals to those people who may have stepped out, but that could draw them back. Okay. Uh, listeners, there will be links to the book. Don't worry. So you'll be able to find it and, and get yourself a copy. Uh, chapter five, Ben looks at finding workers in a new and innovative ways with a shallower talent pool. We'll, We'll need to be creative in how we can attract people into organizations, of course. And it's about a more strategic look at what people, what makes people tick and how to align with that, including case studies of organizations that are hiring in creative ways, offering valuable work opportunities where others wouldn't think to go. And uh, uh, in the blurb about chapter five, you do offer a couple of cool examples, actually. Can you tell us more about this? Yeah, sure. I'll, I'll give you an example of a company. I'll jump right to it because they're an incredible story. So I actually had um, the, their head of HR, Julie Salomon, was on my podcast a while back, you know, the podcast shout out there, um, a company called Televerdi. They're based out in Arizona. And one of the things that they've done is they operate a lot of call centers and they realize there are large populations of people who are unable to come to the workplace and so they decided to bring the workplace to them and those people are those who are incarcerated so they've actually opened up call centers and multiple women's prisons across the world including uh in in the uk bill to give you a hat tip to your your home country there um they've opened these call centers in these different countries in these different uh penitentiaries around the world and they're allowing women to do paying work helping to build a bridge between their time served and actually getting out and starting their, their new life and restarting life and reconnecting to things. And the data actually show that having work, having a job reduces recidivism rates. And so they're doing something really incredible there and they're again, going where no one else has probably thought to go from an employer perspective. And the people who are taking these roles, taking these jobs are committed, they're loyal, they're excited to do this work because no one else has been willing to give them a chance. So that's a great story of a company that's looking in places where no one else has, and they're reaping the benefits of this really engaged and loyal workforce. Okay. 
I feel like we're going to need to tag them in the social media promos. They're going to love it. Uh, chapter seven, Ben, investigates technology and automation as gap fillers. Uh, and uh, the, the description of this chapter is as follows. With fewer people to go around, we need to be making some decisions about where to embed tech, where problems, what problems it should solve, and how to make that leap without slowing the pace of business or creating an inhuman workplace for the workforce. This is, you know, this is the, the question of the times. What, what are the most successful companies doing to augment and future-proof their workforces to ensure that productivity doesn't fall? So it's really, we could look even within just the HR recruiting function specifically and say, how can we start using some of the tools that are out there to make us more capable, to make us more effective, to make our efforts more scalable without having to add three more headcount to our team. And so there's lots of great examples of that, for, like in recruiting, using tools to help schedule automatically without having to have someone on your team dedicated just to scheduling and trying to get everyone's lined up to show up for an interview. Right? Some of those sorts of tools are already out there for use in those ways. And that's where I'm really focusing in the book is talking about some of those areas that we see, some of those areas that are likely to be automated. When you look at the data from Corn Ferry and some of the other, you know, McKenzie, the other large organizations out there, their, you know, their estimates are millions of roles and all these people are going to be out of work and we're going to have to find ways to reskill everybody. When you cut past all the headlines and all the noise, you see that jobs that are highly routine, whether they are mentally routine or they are physically routine, those are the ones that are most likely to be automated. And so we're thinking about the workplace. We're thinking about the people that work for our companies. Where are those people? What jobs are they doing? What tasks are they doing where they're really specifically defined? Because the more defined they are, the more opportunity there is to say, let's put an, an algorithm, let's put a tool, let's put a chatbot, let's put something in place to do that thing so that the rest of us can spend our time doing the other stuff that the systems can't do, things that are non-routine, things that are more human-oriented. Right? Most people don't want a bot or a tool interacting with them. But if we can have it doing the back office stuff and we can focus on a human connection, human interaction on the other side, that's what people really are craving. So that's what I'm focused on there. And Bill, you know this, but the first book I wrote was Artificial Intelligence for HR, which was all about how these tools and technologies are starting to emerge and starting to impact how we recruit, retain, hire, interact with our workforce. And so this is just kind of a hat tip to that because those things are still going on and it's an opportunity for employers to support their people in a personalized way without having to have the unlimited budget to hire as many headcount as they need to, because most, most companies don't have that ability. This is all great stuff. I'm so excited to, uh, to get a hand, my hands on the book and take a read through it and to learn some of the lessons that you've been able to glean through your time. So now I'm going to switch up the, this podcast a little bit because we're shorter like than you normally do. And now we're going to go from your book to you. Okay. okay. This is, these are personal moments here. So let me ask you this. In a minute or less, can you share a piece of advice or some direction that you're given to from, by a mentor, a colleague, a leader, somebody that inspired you to perform at a higher level in your career? So the last, the last HR job that I had, I was running the HR departments, very young. I had grown up and taken that over. And my CEO was a former special operations pilot. And one of the things that he said that I've held on to all these years was when, we, when it came to a problem, when it came to a challenge or an issue, he would say, tell me how we can, not why we can't. And it's really easy to fall back on, well, sorry, we can't do this. So here's the excuse. Here's the reason. Here's the problem. But he would immediately say, hey, let's step beyond that and tell me what it would take to get that done. 
because when I interact with leaders at all levels in all these organizations, all these industries over the years, one of the things that stand out are those ones who get things done are the ones who are always looking at, there's a way to make this happen. Let's find it. Let's, let's do the hard work to find what those options are. And so it's funny because after Talent Scarcity, the next book I'm going to write is called The Third Option. And it's based on that one comment from my leader all those years ago, how we can dive deeper and look at other additional options, other choices, because they're there if we're willing to look for them. And that's one of my favorite things now to say to the kids when they, well, I can't. Like, nah, don't tell me, you know, why we can't. Tell me how we can. Oh, how brilliant. That's a great piece of advice. Um, and you know, for somebody coming from that history, he couldn't say, I can't do it because, you know, special ops has to do it. It's like, yes. no, it's our job. We got to get it done. Yes. You know? yeah. Everybody uh, else has said they can't already. Now it's, now it's falling in their lap and they got to make that happen. <laughs> the can't already happened. We're yes. in the can mode right now. So I love that. All right. And this is a question we ask all of our guests on, uh, on our podcast here. So here it is from a culture and people processes perspective. What does a high performing company mean to you? It's interesting because when I look at, when we're doing our research, we survey thousands of employers, thousands of candidates and and workers every single year. When we talk about high performing companies, we're actually looking at data. Those companies have better revenue, better retention, better engagement scores. And I would still say it comes down to those kinds of things. We've got to have some numbers to prove it because if we say, oh yeah, we're we're a great company from HR or a culture or people perspective, we don't have anything else to back that up other than our say so, no one else is going to care. We've got to have some numbers. We've got to be willing to to really look at the evidence. We've got to be willing to build that business case for what we're doing using those things, or we just are another voice. We're another, oh, there's HR. They're going to tell us to hold hands and sing Kumbaya. Okay, great. Like It's not just a feel-good function. HR is a real has, has a real opportunity to impact business. So one of the things that we saw in our, in our data in the last year is that 80% of talent leaders told us that hiring has gone from this HR level priority to a business or operational priority because companies couldn't find enough people to hire. And that sort of signal indicates to me that companies are asking or requesting or hoping that HR and talent leaders like those listening right now are going to step up and take that role. Are they going to be willing to take the rank? They're going to be willing to take that pressure. And if they don't have some sort of data, some sort of something to back that up and really prove what they're saying, they're going to have a really hard time making that happen. Yeah. I think you're asking about the whole, the whole picture is there that you have to have the whole picture. So that's cool. Great. Um, okay. For our listeners now, how can we learn more about you? So if you want to learn more about the book, talentscarcity.com, talentscarcity.com is the way to do that. Um, the work that we do day to day, I'm the chief research officer for Lighthouse. And so Lighthouse Research and Advisory, if you take, take a quick look online, you'll find us there and you can see any of the research we do. It's all freely available because, because I came from the practitioner trenches. I've made that available so that anyone that wants to learn more, do better, improve their processes and performance as a people team, they have the ability to access that data and do that. So happy to share if anyone wants to dig deeper or understand more about that. Wonderful. Well, yeah, that just leaves us, Chris and I, to say, Ben, uh, this is too short. We we need to get you on for longer. We'll just have to get you back on the show. Um, But thank thank you very much. Uh, I've had a great time. What about you, Chris? I had a a blast. And you know what? Yeah, we'd love to have you back on, especially when you get your third book out here, which is based (laughs) upon your your piece of advice you received from your your former leader. So we'd love love to have you back. Absolutely. Thank you both for the service you're doing for the community. Bring some good stories and thanks to life to help educate, inform, and inspire the the leaders out there. They really need it. 
Thank you for listening to the People and Performance Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please remember to like, comment, and subscribe.